Welcome to Divorce Stories with attorney Dennis Vetrano, the show for people that want real answers to real divorce questions from a real divorce lawyer. And now here's your host, attorney Dennis Vetrano. So you've worked hard your whole life. You got that advanced degree. You climbed the corporate ladder. You weren't afraid to put in those long hours and the extra effort that it took. You know, laugh at all your boss's jokes. You know, do all the things you needed to do to get ahead. You've somehow managed to create the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. And here you are. Took a lot, but you're here. But those long hours, all that time, all that effort took a toll on your marriage. You don't really know where to go right now. You're kind of interested in somebody else at work. You're not really getting along with your wife at home. What do you do? I mean... You know, you're really scared. Well, all this stuff you worked for, what's going to happen to it? Are you going to have to pay spousal support for the rest of your life? Alimony? Can you possibly afford to do that and have yourself saddled with that for the rest of your life? Do you have to? Is there any way out? After all, you put in all the work. Do I have to support my spouse for the rest of their life just because I work so hard? Welcome back, everybody, to Divorce Stories. We're at episode number 19, and I'm your host, divorce attorney Dennis Vetrano. Today, we're going to tackle that age-old question. You know, look, if you've worked so hard, climbed the corporate ladder, you've reached the pinnacle of success, and you're going to get a divorce, your relationship, your marital relationship is now over, do you have to pay for the rest of your life? Is there any way around it? And listen, remember, we're always looking to answer your questions on the podcast, so do not hesitate to send your questions to divorcestoriespodcast at gmail.com. Again, divorcestoriespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So let's get right into the question. Look, if you've reached that level of success and your spouse has been kind of the stay-at-home person or they're underemployed or they really haven't pursued their, de- their, their career or their degree or, or their ability to work, do you have to pay for them for the rest of their life? I mean, look, it's a pretty complicated question. And let's start off with amount. Look, if you make substantially more money than your spouse in New York State, you're considered the moneyed spouse. And therefore, typically, you're required to pay spousal support. The question is, how much? The New York State Spousal Support Statute gives us a specific calculation as to how you come up with the presumptively correct number of spousal support. But bear in mind, it starts with the incomes. So people are always saying, well, you know, I work so hard, I make all this money. Doesn't my spouse have to work too? Well, that's somewhat of a complicated question because technically they don't have to work. But also, technically, you don't have to pay spousal support based on, well, you don't have to pay spousal support as if they're incapable of working or as if they cannot bring any income to the table. They have no earning potential. The reality is everyone, unless you're disabled, has an earning potential. And it's about how much you can make. So when you're doing that calculation, the starting point, again, is the the incomes and the divide of the incomes. If your spouse has an ability to earn, which everybody does, they're going to have to work, or at least the calculation for the spousal support you'll have to pay will be based on as if they can work, as if they can bring something to the proverbial table. Um, Also with the incomes, bear in mind, as you do this presumptively correct calculation under the New York State Spousal Support Statute, it's based on 
income from all sources, not just yours and your spouse's ability to earn, but also income from all sources. So yeah, if you got a rental property and that's bringing in money, that goes into the pot too. If you have stock accounts that are giving you dividends or you have a company that you're involved with that's also bringing you in money, yes, that goes into the calculation. Um, but bear in mind, Sometimes people ask, well, when I do this calculation or when I've spoken with my lawyer and we've done this calculation, we come up with this impossible number, a number that I couldn't ever possibly pay. So again, if you make $150,000 a year, look, you're going to get taxed on X amount, of, X amount of dollars out of that. How much are you really coming home with at the end of the day? And then your spousal support gets taken out after that. Um, but if you do come up with that impossible number, yes, there is hope. There are factors that you can go through to adjust that presumptively correct number in New York State. It's not just a, here's the calculation, here's what you have to pay. Uh, now, bear in mind, the New York State Spousal Support Statute was based upon the, the presumptively correct number and the way the calculation is constructed is such that you would be able to write it off for federal tax income purposes. And now you cannot do that. So what we've been doing, the more savvy practitioners, is you, you do a tax impact. You know, anytime you're going to agree to any spousal support number on behalf of your moneyed spouse client, you need to take a long, hard look at the tax implications. Um, and also, again, it's not just the tax implications, but there are other factors at work. When you try to craft this number, it's not just you do the presumptively correct calculation based on the New York State spousal support statute um, construct, but in addition, you can look at the other factors. Again, lifestyle, uh, health of both of the parties, and if there's any special needs of yours or your spouse or the children. Um, again, I think I mentioned lifestyle. All of those things will go in, and tax impact, of course, all of those things will go into assessing whether or not that presumptively correct spousal support number is fair and appropriate in your particular circumstance. Now, most of your attorneys are going to superficially just look at the presumptively correct number. We go far beyond that, and your more savvy practitioners will do that. Um, so that's essentially how you arrive at your spousal support number. Next question is, okay... So now I know about what I'm going to have to pay my spouse in the event of a divorce or as we're divorcing, but how long is this going to last? And here's, the, and here's the thing where there's some wrinkles to it, okay? In New York State, our guide indicates that spousal support should have a duration of somewhere between 15% and 50% of the length of the marriage. So in large part, it's based upon how long you were married. At least that's the, that's, the, that's the biggest factor in the guide of how long you'll have to pay spousal support, 15 to 50% of the length of the marriage. But also keep in mind, there are other factors that can come into play here especially with the cases where you have baby boomers, you know, you're about to retire anyhow, you've got to look at are there going to be foreseeable uh, fluctuations in your income coming up? Uh, what's the interplay between uh, Social Security uh, receipt and what your spousal support duration will be? And is there any interplay with when you're going to retire versus how long your spousal support should last? Because in large part with these cases, what I, what I have an eye towards if I'm representing the moneyed spouse is, hey, if the non-moneyed spouse, the person on the other side who will be in receipt of spousal support, if they're about to receive 
half of the retirement, or they're about to receive, or in a few years, they're going to receive Social Security, or your income is going to go down significantly over the next 5, 10, 15 years, anywhere within the duration of the spousal support, through no fault of your own. Again, I want to clarify that. We really need to plan for that in advance, okay? And I think at the end of the day, look, it sounds like it's a daunting task. It's pretty scary for people who've worked so hard their whole life to provide for their family, and now they're looking like, hey, maybe I want to get a little bit more time on my hands. Maybe I want to be able to travel, spend a few dollars on myself, have a little bit of fun, and now you're confronted with in the event of a divorce, but I've got to pay spousal support. Well, here's the rub. Here's what you should be looking for. And here's what, I, here's what I basically tell all of my clients. For you, if you're the moneyed spouse in a situation where you know you're going to have to pay spousal support to your husband or wife, the non-moneyed spouse, you have to take a long, hard look at how you can keep those numbers smaller and the duration shorter. So again, take a close look at what's their ability to earn, Will there be any fluctuations in your income moving forward? When will they receive Social Security benefits? When and if, um, or if and when. Uh, will they be receiving a portion of your retirement benefits, and when will you be retiring? And do either of you really, but in large part we're looking at the non-moneyed spouse, if you're trying to keep the numbers down for the moneyed spouse, take a look at, in addition to their ability to earn, do they have any other sources of income? Because when you do the calculation for spousal support, it's based upon your ability to earn and your income from all sources. So if you're at 150 and they say, well, I can't work, you say minimum is 25 for them. Maybe it's 35 because their parents are helping them out. Maybe it's 45 because they're getting some level of stipend or some level of trust fund income. And maybe they have a business interest that's now, you know, another 10 or 20,000 a year. Now, instead of doing the calculation based on 150 versus is 25, you're doing a calculation based on 150 versus 75, and that will keep your numbers down. And again, for me, the way I explain it to clients is incremental differences in your spousal support number over time will result in huge numbers. So if I can convince the court or reach an agreement that will keep your spousal support number $100 lower a week, $200 lower a month, $1,000 lower a month, and that's over a span of 10 years? Do the math on that number. Remember, incremental changes in your spousal support obligation over time results in huge numbers. So now is the time to make sure you have the right lawyer, to make sure you've taken a long, hard look at what the incomes are, ability to earn, um, durations, social security, retirement, all of those things to boil down to a smaller number for a shorter duration. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 19 of Divorce Stories. I hope I was able to give you some insight as to how the New York State Spousal Support Statute works and the things you can be looking for to try to keep your numbers lower and to keep your duration shorter. And again, first step is always to have an experienced, knowledgeable divorce attorney to be able to guide you through the process. If you would like to have a consultation with our office, don't hesitate to reach out to us at drvitranolaw.com. And again, if you have any questions you'd like to hear us answer on the podcast, send them to divorcestoriespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you guys again next time.